Great. Well, um, <laughs> yes, as um, Matt shared, we are Brandon Matura um, and yeah, we're a part of the Soul Survival Worship Band. Um, and we're going to chat tonight a bit about the heart and skill of worship um, and worship leading um, or just being part of a worship band. We might share a bit about our uh, worship journey. Um, yeah. yeah, for me um, personally, I grew up um, playing the piano. Um, I was taught by my dad um, and then when I was about 14 or 15 I started playing keyboard in uh, my church uh, which was really fun um, and then in later high school I had uh, singing lessons um, and then started to sing and play keyboard at the same time uh, during worship at my church um, and then kind of moved on into like band leading um, yeah and then met Brayden we started dating um, and met Soul Survivor through him um, and from there we've kind of been um, leading a bit together um, and I've done that a bit separately as well um, but yeah it's been a great journey. Brayden do you want to share a bit about yours? Yep um, so been playing music for a little while I think since year five um, started doing some worship stuff early high school and I think started leading at church probably around year nine or something I can't remember exactly um we're from a small church so it was pretty chill um yeah and then I think I got involved with soul towards the end of high school just playing <clears throat> electric being a part of the band um and only started leading it so like when I was first or second year uni something like that um but yeah along that journey with soul been able to and we've been fortunate enough to go around to heaps of different churches because we do um we do soul teams where we take a, a band um and a preacher to help support the church and run a service. Um, so I've been to a few churches around Sydney, um, just playing and worshiping and leading and stuff. Um, and then also we have obviously our main soul conferences, if you don't know about us, um, do a big youth conference every year. Um, and we also do um, a young adults retreat every year. So a few of those and yeah, so it's probably, so it's probably been like what, almost close to 10 years, but I don't feel that old, which is, yeah, it makes me feel old thinking about it now, but um, it's gone real fast. But yeah, yeah. that's probably my journey so far. So. Yeah. Um, well, I might just pray before we um, kick off and share some stuff. Um, so please pray with me. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for tonight. Um, we thank you that we can um, meet together, um, even though it's over Zoom, where we pray. Um, you know, pray that you would speak through Braden and I uh, this evening, um, but would there be really practical uh, things that people, um, that all of us will be able to take away from tonight? Um, we just pray your blessing um, and your hand over um, over this evening. In praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool. Cool. Um, let's get into it. So um, hopefully tonight is just going to be really practical, sort of hands-on from our own experience um, of worship leading over the time that we have. Um, and hopefully um, we can just pass on some stuff that we've learned from our experiences. Um, Obviously, like you've heard from our journey so far, we're pretty, we're still probably pretty early on. So we still have lots of stuff to learn. Um, but yeah, hopefully you're able to get some things out of this. Um, yeah, maybe things you hadn't heard before, or even if it's just a refresher coming back out of lockdown into, into worship again at church. Um, yeah, hopefully you'll be able to apply some things and hopefully grow yourself as a worship leader and better serve whatever community you're in. Um, so yeah, it's going to be probably a bit less theory, but more sort of practical tips um cool so probably to, just to kick off before getting into some of the practical stuff is just um a simple one-liner that i like to use when i'm talking about the, the purpose of worship leaders and why i think like what, what our purpose is yeah as, as worship leaders what we're what we're doing um 
And there's so many definitions and ways you could put this, but um, in terms of our experience from our soul context, I'd say like really what I've learned is that all we're doing is trying to get ourselves out of the way and in our worship time, make space for people to connect with Jesus. Um, so that's really just our purpose, just to facilitate moments and times for people to be able to feel like they can praise Jesus, say what they want to say in the moment um, and just connect with him. Um, and yeah, that's, yeah, that's what we're going to kick off. Yeah. Um, so I guess a bit of a structure of what we're going to chat about is we'll chat a bit about um, some tips or some tricks and things um, to help you practically um, before what it looks like before a worship set, during a worship set um, and after a worship set. Um, we'll just chat about some things which, um, you know, you may already know, um, but maybe some new things um, and some new tips um, that might help you as you go. Um, and then after that, we'll chat a bit about what um, leading has looked like during COVID because it's been a really tricky 18 months or so. Um, and some things that we've learned from it, um, some things that have worked well, um, because you may still be in that space um, for the next couple of months. Um, and just some tips as people um, come out of that space um, to help uh, to help facilitate worship um, again for people as they come out of COVID, um, some tips for helping you guys do that. Um, cool. So let's kick off with um, some things that you can do um, before your worship set um, to uh, to help you. Um, so it might seem pretty obvious, but practice is a super important one. Um, not only your band practice that you have before um, before your set um, or the conference, but also individual practice um, yourself uh, before you go to your band practice. Um, so yeah, individual practice, you know, as you're thinking through your set, um, it's super important to practice by yourself. Um, you know, if you're more skilled yourself, um, as you practice, the better prepared you'll feel, um, and the better prepared your whole band will feel as you come, um, to the worship set and to the worship practice. Um, and that way, uh, you can better serve the band and the congregation in that way. Um, so yeah, as an example, Brayden and I often, um, as we're picking songs for a set for, for church worship, um, we might just uh, have a keyboard, a guitar, um, whatever we're going to be playing with um, when we're choosing songs by ourselves, um, just helps to, to practice, see how we're feeling about things. Um, but yeah, individually, that's super important. Um, I actually led worship by myself for the first time in uh, a few months, which is very odd without Brayden, um, but I had to go into church. Um, and it was a live worship set um, that they just did online. Um, but because I hadn't done that by myself for a while, I literally went to the piano and sat there for about an hour um, and just ran through um, a whole lot of songs that I was thinking about, practiced them, figured out how they were working together. Um, often when I'm doing that, I'll maybe pick five or six songs that I think might fit for a, a three to four worship, um, song worship set. Um, and then as I'm practicing, I'll pray through that um, and think about how songs are gonna transition together well um, but yeah, that will, that individual practice is going to make you feel a whole lot more comfortable and it's going to make your band a lot more comfortable when you rock up to, to band practice. Um, yes. And now coming to band practice, um, it's super obvious. Um, we all do it and it's great. Um, you may have heard some of these things before, but just want to encourage you, um, with some things that we do during band practice. Um, so checking in with your band at the start of practice, um, and praying together. That will set you guys up um, really well for, for the practice. Um, something that I do um, is before each song, um, before you practice each song or at the start of your, uh, of your set, of your practice set, sorry. Um, I give a bit of a, a rundown of how uh, you envisage the set to go and how you want it to go. Maybe you say, you know, those first two songs I want to be really like, we want to be jumping for Jesus. Next one, we want to have like a bit of a, a chilled out moment. 
Um, the next one, I want to build up again here. Just kind of give your band um, a bit of a, a vision as to how you want to see the set go, because um, then that will help them um, as you practice. Um, yeah, what I, I really love doing for before we practice each song um, is to actually talk through the song specifically as you practice it. Uh, sorry, just before you practice it. Um, so explain where the big parts of the song are, where you want to build up dynamically, um, or where you want to just keep it really thin, because um, that will help the practice of that song to go really well. Um, yeah, chatting through transitions between songs. Um, churches do this differently, um, but it's really important to have a really um, smooth and a really uh, good transition between songs. Um, this will help kind of flow things into the next song and help um, people stay really focused um, in that moment of worship that they're having. Um, so chatting through transitions in your practice time is actually going to be really important rather than just practicing each song individually. Um, yeah, and at the end of practice, um, I always ask, make sure you, um, my ba the band members, whether they're comfortable with each of the songs, if there's anything that they want to go over again, even just like a chorus, a bridge, even a transition, just make sure that everyone's feeling comfortable uh, because then that's, that's going to set you up really well um, for the set. Brilliant. <laughs> yep. Um, so then sort of out of that, and we touched on it a little bit, um, but for particularly for worship leaders generally, I would say put the set list together, put the songs together. Sometimes it's not necessarily the best new um, things, but this is, we've got a couple of thoughts around that. Um, so I think set building, like working out what songs you want to play and sing is definitely one of the trickier things and really depends on so many factors. It's probably why it's hard. Like it depends on what, like the, your context. So if you're playing at church, like a, an early church morning service with all the oldies, or if you're playing at a youth night, you're going to probably plan pretty different sets. Um, <laughs> But I think, yeah, there are a few things that really help. Um, so one thing, like when we were going on soul teams a lot more often, um, Matt's usually always coming along and I just on, honestly just always have chats with him about my sets. Like I wouldn't, I'd always run by some songs I was thinking with him and just having having a person or, or the pastor or a preacher chatting through your set, I think can be really, really helpful because it kind of aligns, it might align with their talk they might be able to give some really helpful advice about, and you know, they've probably been doing pastoring order for ages longer anyway. So they might just have just general good advice um, about songs and things that might fit with what they're saying. Um, yeah, but also they'll understand the church and, and what people know and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, in terms of actually like picking songs to put in your set, I don't think there's necessarily like a correct way to, to do this. I think there's many, many things that can work um, I might just go through an example of kind of a structure, general structure that I do. Um, and I'll go through it by an example of like what I'm preparing for say a youth night, because that's what we often do for soul. But, um, but usually, uh, yeah, when thinking about a set or preparing a set, have a big list of songs. Like it literally could be a list of a hundred songs in front of me. Um, and there'll be the, the songs from that context. Like it could be just the church book if it's for church. For soul, we've got like a register of 100 songs or whatever that we you know we filter over time. Um, just get that out, you know, have a plan to pick, five, say, five songs or whatever. Um, and then pick your songs in order to the flow that you sort of want. So generally for a set, what I find works, um, the flow would be kind of starting with one or two praise upbeat style songs then moving into maybe some more worship style songs and then finishing with something a bit more intimate. 
Um, and that's kind of a general flow, which um, it's kind of works a lot with, with youth stuff, I think, because, you know, mm. often at youth groups or, or if you have a youth thing, people are like super, kids are super excited. And so you really need to get all the energy out <laughs> at the start or it's going to be going crazy. Um, and then, yeah, you, you want to transition that though into like real moments of worship and praise um, for God. And then, yeah, if you can finish on like an intimate moment where people are really um, engaged with the Lord and what whatever's happening in that moment, that's kind of, that's pretty awesome if you can get there. So that's sort of like a general pattern that we try and follow, but obviously it can change and depends on context and all sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe like an example set of actual songs, I think that we did for one youth night was just like to back up that is, um, so we started with, I think, Where You Are, which is like a young and free upbeat song. Then we went to Raise a Hallelujah, which is still upbeat, crazy. Um, then King of Kings, which is a bit more worshipful, praising God for who he is. Um, then I think Whole Heart we did just as a bit more worship, intimate, and then finished on just singing the chorus of What a Beautiful Name and just having that intimate moment where we're just glorifying God for who he is. Um, something like that can be something that's really effective. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things. The more you do over time, you can kind of work, see what works well and also what works well for you I think different worship leaders find things that work well for them like sometimes you might find two songs work really really well back to back together and so after a set if that works really well you put it in another set or for something else um and also you can I think you can be creative with your sets like in in many different ways but an, an example is we try and do sometimes um at soul like try and put choruses from one song into another or a bridge of something to another and we did that um this year we had we were playing i think fresh wind um and then instead of doing that bridge we like built it up as if to go into that bridge and then just shoved in the touch of heaven bridge which is a different song um and that was kind of really cool because it just people got out of the rhythm of what they're used to and expecting and and then realize what they're singing and it's it's just mm-hmm. changing things up being creative can can really help i think yeah, make worship a bit more interesting and engaging. Um, yeah. But in terms of that structure, like, yeah, that's not the be all and end all. Like sometimes we, I start a set by just getting everyone to sing something like, like how, how great is our God? And that's not an upbeat thing at all. It's just like an example of how you can get everyone singing together and praising God. Um, and that, that works really, really well. So yeah, hopefully it's pretty clear. Like there's not one size fits all, but um, some of these things do work well. Um, and then maybe just to quickly mention keys in terms of that, I think keys can be like choosing keys for songs can be a tricky thing, but it depends on probably context again, like the group that you're gathering with your own ability to be able to sing or play something. Um, but generally I, I find if you can stick within like one or two keys in a set, or at least keys that relate to each other, like that are a fifth, a part of something that can be really helpful for like transitions and keeping things smooth. Cause you hate to have like every single song in a totally different key and then just stopping and starting between everything just kind of physically doesn't make it flow very well. So <laughs> yeah, trying to stay in good keys can help. Yeah. Cool. Um, another tip, um, something I'm really passionate about is uh, hanging out and relationship building with your band um this might seem really silly but it's actually really important to build trust and communication with your band um because that's going to help you when you're actually doing your set to be able to trust each other um as you're playing um so 
yeah, being on the same page as your band during practice um, actually ensures that you guys are all feeling really comfortable. Um, and yeah, if you're playing at church, um, practical ways to do that, um, maybe hang out with them, um, maybe outside of church, hang out with them before church, after church, not all the time, but try and make moment, intentional moments for you to go and hang out with them, get to know them. Um, yeah, and if you're playing at a conference um, or somewhere else that's not church, um, chat with your member, band members during um, free time. Um, even if you are a band member, get to know your worship leader. Um, getting to know them will help build trust between you guys. Um, yeah, I find that that's really important um, and helps, uh, yeah, helps your set just go really smoothly as well if you guys are all on the same page. Um, another thing that's super important and super obvious is to pray. Um, pray with your band, but also pray with others who are, uh, if it's a um, church service, pray with everyone who's on team, like the, the service leaders, um, the speaker, um, people who might be facilitating prayer ministry, anyone who's involved on team, um, pray with all of them before your church service. Might be the same for a youth group um, or a conference as well. Don't just feel like you need to pray with your band. Um, this will help you um, focus yourself on Jesus um, and actually the purpose of why you're worshiping, um, because that's gonna help you um, set you up for a great set um yeah so uh yeah I guess in that prayer moment you can just give the set and everything over to him um just yeah ask for his hand over it um and that will just help you relax it will help your whole band relax um yeah so like for us at church just to give an example um we often have practice at church service starts at 9 30 and we practice from 7 30 till about um 8 45 or 9 and then we pray from 9 till quarter past 20 past nine with um, the band and everyone on team um, and I found that I found that really helpful to um, to know that worship isn't just its own thing in your church service if you're just praying with your band members you just kind of feel like you're doing your own thing as worship um, but it's really important to know it's not the only thing that's going on in the service um, it's also not the main thing that's going on in your church service um, or at your youth group um, it's actually part of a, a bigger ministry that's happening um, on the day so that's just going to help you um, really practically if you're praying with everyone to kind of get your mind focused on that. Um, and probably probably the last thing for this section of before, and probably I think one of the most important things just to grow as a worship leader in general, um, and you've probably heard it a million times before, but is, is personal worship time um, with Jesus. And that's both just worshiping for worship's sake and also like practicing your, your set or whatever by yourself. Um, yeah, I, I found it's like such an undervalued thing that I probably go on about too much um, and other people probably do it as well, but um, it really makes a difference to your own personal journey and development as a worship leader. And, and I guess it helps your heart and changes your heart to be able to lead people better. Um, and when thinking about that, I thought I was reminded about um, a verse in Matthew 23, um, so when Jesus is rebuking some of the Pharisees who've been hypocrites and he goes on for like verses and verses about how he's annoyed at them, essentially. <laughs> um, anyway, one of the things that he says is, um, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then also the outside will be clean. And here he's clearly saying, you know, that the Pharisees are appearing to be all good and righteous on the outside, but on the inside, they were harboring wickedness and, and they were hypocrites. And I think in a worship context in the same way we're not aiming to be polished on the outside and and we can't just polish the outside but we need to be worshipers in our hearts and when we harbor that heart of worship that's when i think the polish comes from that's when the good worship kind of makes itself known um 
yeah, so that means, yeah, spending time worshiping in the secret place where no one's looking. Um, and another way to, to put it, or another way I think about it is like a heart of worship, it's kind of like a, a fire and it's like an ongoing flame and desire that's inside of us. And I'm sure we've all been camping and stoked to fire before, but you, you all know to keep a fire going, you've got to like, you've got to soak it, you've got to put wood on it, you've got to, you've got to give it, um, yeah, you've got to feed it. And it's the same thing, I think, with your worship life. Um, shouldn't be a chore or anything that's draining, but when you put time into spending time with Jesus and worshiping, um, it actually kind of keeps your passion alive and it and it it fills you up. It's not something that's draining, I don't think. Like you can kind of get into the headspace, like, oh no, I haven't, haven't worshipped in a few weeks or, or whatever. In a month, I've picked up a guitar or something. Like, don't feel bad about it. But once once you get there, you realize it's it's not a, a chore, it's not hard. It just it just fills you up. Um, yeah so I think that's pretty important um yeah I think just generally more stuff that you do beforehand to be prepared the, the more you put into worship um the more you can actually sort of get out of it in the end um not like everything that you do like God's not going to move unless you do stuff but it's more that the more stuff that you do it means you become more physically prepared more spiritually and emotionally ready um and that puts you in a better place for God to use you to serve others kind of, I suppose, like anything in Christianity, but um, yeah, it certainly applies to worship as well. Um, so um, we've got just a few points of things you can do during your worship set um, as well. So once you've started, um, there are a few things you want to be thinking about as you go. Um, this isn't just for um, a worship leader. This is for um, people in the band as well. Um, so yeah, I think um, one of the most important things I've learned um, over my journey of worship leading, which is not very long, um, in a few years, um, I think what I've grown the most in is knowing to have uh, intentional moments of stillness um, in your worship set, not just needing to go from one song to the next song to the next song, just having moments of pause um, uh, and stillness and space for God to work. Um, it's really easy to just prepare your set uh, and think about the next song that you're about to play and be like, okay, great, I've got to wrap this one up quick, got to get to the next one. Um, but actually some of the most, the most intimate and real um, moments in worship uh, in your set are going to be those moments where you're still and just waiting for Jesus to work um, among the congregation. Um, and there's heaps of passages uh, in the Bible as well that actually talk about stillness. Um, and so like Psalms 37 verse 7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Um, Exodus 14, uh, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Um, and even Jesus um, in his journey had heaps of moments of stillness um, and just rest in prayer um, in God's presence um, and quite often uh, for a really long time as well. Um, I'm not saying you should just kind of wait in those moments for a really long time, um, but it's really important to have those moments um, and to just be aware of time um, and not be pushed into the next song. Um, yeah, so practically this might mean, um, you know, giving space for people to pray for each other um, during worship uh, or just a moment to kind of respond or connect with Jesus after they've, after you've sung a song um, or just before you're about to go into the next song um, without feeling like you, people might see the next lyrics on the screen and be like, oh, okay, we're moving on to the next thing. Um, I've got to get into that headspace now of like this next song. Just giving it space, giving them time to respond um, and just to connect with Jesus. Um, yeah, and so when you have moments of pause, um, you know, we found that people actually tend to engage more with worship um, and more with what you're actually singing as well. Um, yeah, and so when we do worship and when we lead people into that, that space of worship, we want to honour those moments of stillness and the moments where people are, are resting in his presence.
and I feel like with a few of these points, it's really going to depend on context, like what, what your church is used to. Mm-hmm. Like if church isn't used to having moments of stillness, they, you know, you don't want to give them a five minute silence in between songs because that will just freak everyone out and people will be like, what's going on? So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think with all these things, just, yeah, they get, they're good principles, but yeah, I guess they'll apply differently depending on where, where you're at. And that's probably the same with this next one. Um, and that's kind of intentionally speaking at different points within a set um, to kind of help steer worship and people engage. You know, if, if people aren't used to it, you probably don't want to introduce it too much, but um, it is something, it is a tool I think is just really, really helpful. Um, me personally, I, I don't like talking between songs. You normally just pass it off to me. Michelle, like, can you chat? That is true. I'm kind of like, yeah, we should say something at this point. So <laughs> Michelle, can, can you, you say something? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> introvert life but um <laughs> but yeah it can be really really powerful um and i'll give an example of of when this has worked really really well so a few years back um at, i think soul conference 2018 we were going to do the song we did do it um raise a hallelujah for the first time um and if you don't know the song it i think people might be a little bit confused about why they're singing it or why the song was written but before the conference i'd seen a video um of the people who wrote it explaining where that song came out of and why it was written and what it's about and so i thought oh it's probably a really important thing for people to know um and so i planned to to say some stuff before the song in the set i think it was the second song in the set um when we came to it i was like all right i'm, I'm going to say something here so just spoke for 30 seconds a minute just on where the song came from um, why it was written. Um, and then when we started to sing it, people seemed to be suddenly so more, so much more switched on and engaged. Mm. And I think they just realized, like they became more passionate about the words they were singing because they understood where it came from. Um, and it wasn't just good for that set, it just, it ended up being, I think the, the song of the conference, just because people understood it. Um, and it gave meaning to what they were singing. So yeah, maybe I just encourage you, don't underestimate the things that God puts on your heart at certain times, particularly if you're nervous to say something, um, it can be really powerful to say things um, and, and steer worship. Yeah. Cool. Um, another point. Um, yeah, I think we've got a couple more in this section. Um, just uh, be aware of how Jesus is moving among the congregation during worship. Um, he's going to be moving in different ways each worship set, so don't expect him to be moving one way. Um, he might be doing a whole lot of different things with different people. Um, yeah, so it's really important to read the room, um, see if people are engaging, see if people aren't engaging. Um, you may need to be really flexible in that as well um, if you're leading. So maybe like not doing a song at the end if people aren't engaging or maybe adding an extra song on if people are just super, super keen at the end of your set. Um, just kind of having a few uh, songs up your sleeve um, if you need to. Um, it's kind of important to, um, I'm not to say um, keep your eyes open the whole time, but at times it's important um, to just kind of have a look around and see how people are responding. Um, that's going to really help you determine how people are engaging. Um, and yeah, just be aware, be aware of the Holy Spirit and um, yeah, what he's making apparent to you during the set. Um, it, it's hard to know sometimes if you are hearing from the Holy Spirit or from Jesus, um, but it does take practice. It takes um, learning from others um, as well. Uh, also aware, awareness in the moment um, of the congregation, how they're responding. Um, and what's happening. Um, and you could actually also even ask your band members. Um, so if you've got a thought of a song that you're thinking of doing, or you're like, oh, I think we need to cut this song and do this one instead. 
just kind of walk over to a different band member as you're kind of maybe in that moment of stillness um, and just say, hey, do you think we should do this song? I'm vibing this, see what they say. That's gonna really um, help determine uh, if that was the Holy Spirit. Um, um, yeah, so a um, bit of a practical example for from Soul Conference. Um, you know, sometimes you might see us, if you've come to Soul Conference before, we might be walking over to other band members. We might be speaking into um, an MD mic. So um, often Brayden, me, or someone else leading might have two mics in front of us. Um, one for actual singing. The other one's a music director mic, which only goes into the ears of the band members. So no one else can hear it. Just to chat about, oh, okay, cool. We're gonna do this song instead. We're gonna do it in this key. Um, these, are the, these are the chords if they don't know the song. Um, yeah, so that's super important. If you can do that at your church, if you can't, that's totally fine. Just walking over to another band member um, or even uh, if the speaker or someone who's facilitating the church service, youth group, conference, just having a chat to them as well about what you're thinking. Um, you might often see, um, yeah, at Soul Conference, we get Matt is just kind of often uh, just walking around, kind of asking us, oh, hey, maybe we should do this. Or, you know, maybe we shouldn't do this. Or um, just having him or someone else um, like him who's kind of facilitating the whole thing just to chat through your ideas um, is super helpful for knowing, um, knowing what Jesus is doing, um, knowing how people are engaging and knowing kind of where to go next um, if you want to switch things up. Yeah. And sort of on that um, really random one, but but practical, and I found really, really helpful, if, is if you can get your band knowing chord numbers. I don't know if you guys know what I mean by chord numbers, but like you can talk about chords in terms of what they actually are, like A minor, G, C, or whatever. But if you can talk about it in terms of their relative numbers from one to eight, um, that could be really helpful because people on different instruments might be technically in different keys. Like if I'm playing acoustic can I have the capo on a certain fret that's going to be I'm going to be playing different chords to what a pianist would play so if you can just if you can talk in numbers with your band if they're capable of doing that can be super super helpful it's just a random helpful one that we found works cool um so we might move on to what you can do after um your worship set we've just got a few things um you might think there's not much you can do after <laughs> it's already happened um, but there are definitely some things you can do to learn for um, next worship set um, and to just kind of get some feedback on what's going on um, how people found the set so um, something that um, yeah I try and do often is to actually thank everyone in the team um, if you're a worship leader even if you're a the band member just thank everyone and say thanks so much it's so good um, thank the sound people um, they've put in a lot of effort um, and if there's a moment of someone did something really well um, or, you know, it may be like, like a bass run or like, you know, an electric lead line was awesome or like just even a simple vocal harmony, um, encouraging people in that is going to make them feel like um, they did a really good job um, and help them be more confident the next time that they play. Um, yeah, it's just a really great way to encourage people in their gifts, um, especially people who might be new in your band. Um, or just trying to learn, try and find something that they did really well um, and encourage them in that. Um, that's going to give them a lot of confidence the next time they want to play. Yeah, and probably another main one would just be learning from your experiences because I think, you know, however far you are in the journey, however early or far, you're always going to make mistakes and there's always things to learn. Mm -hmm. um, so ways you can do it, I think, is like one thing that I do is like I'll ask, you know, the pastor or the preacher or other you know worshipers like in the bands or worship leaders just for feedback and like you know they might, might not say anything but sometimes they can say just simple things like oh this this worked really really well and then you know that for next time and then you can implement that into worship 
I remember like back at my old church, I don't think we'd done this before, but it randomly in a worship. So I just felt like we needed a moment where there was just no instruments and we just were singing. And I don't like, I'd seen people do that before, but not at our church. Um, and then I, I did it and it was, it was a really special moment of worship. Um, had really good feedback about it. And now that's like a tool that I can pull out in the future. I'm getting a similar vibe in a, in a worship set or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, just learning from what works well I guess, and then also, I suppose, learning from mistakes. We always make mistakes, whether it's a musical mistake or totally wrong song choice, whatever. I've, I've done it a thousand times. So, <laughs> yeah, just you, you're never done learning. <laughs> um, yeah, and just the last thing on what you can do um, afterwards is if you're at a, um, a conference or just um, even at church meeting and, and chatting to people um, afterwards, instead of just kind of being exclusive as a band, um, is really important. Um, it's really easy to just like, feel like you've been there since you know 7 30 8 o'clock and you just get to like you know service finishes 11 11 30 like I just want to go home like we're done I just want to pack up and get out of here um but it's actually really important to chat to people afterwards um get to know people um yeah um it's showing that you're not exclusive as a band um particularly at conferences or that you're better than anyone else um which sometimes people might view that um if you're up on a stage um, people might be like, yep, they're amazing, cool, but really we're not, we're just all normal people. Um, and relationship building and having conversations with people will bridge that gap that actually shouldn't be there at all. Um, yeah, and people like um, Rocket, who's our bass guy at Seoul, um, he, I have learned from him pretty much every single youth group or Seoul team we go on to, he is the first person after worship to go down and chat to, you know, someone maybe sitting by themselves or, you know, go and chat to a couple of people. Um, so having people around you as well in your band who are doing that and encouraging you in that as well. Super important. Cool. Yeah, I think that's all we wanted to get across in terms of that preparing before, during, after. Um, and now I might move into a next section, which is just learnings from COVID. So like just things to be really practical about our context now and the things that we've learned over the last two years, or whatever, with literally just online worship and and maybe some things that you haven't tried before. Probably because, you know, we might be doing it for another couple of months. I think we're starting to go back, but things are still online. So anyway, just so a couple of thoughts. Um, so maybe just to start, I'll just say like what the chat, what I found or what we found are the biggest like challenge with COVID and you probably mm -hmm. share similar challenges. The first one for me is just like, it's just a struggle because you can't see people. So you can't see how they're engaging with Jesus or, or how they're responding. So you've got no idea, you know, what, what you're outputting, if that's actually, if, if that's good and people are enjoying it or if they're like, oh man, this was a bad idea, you shouldn't have done that sort of thing. So that's <laughs> number one. And then secondly, it's just practically like, you know, it can be really tough trying to organize bands. And I think like, um, sorry for your name, like Matthew was saying, like you had to record 40 different things. Like it's just yeah. a nightmare, a logistical <laughs> nightmare. And it kind of, it almost takes away from worship being the special thing that it is because you just got to practically do stuff. So those are our challenges, but um, yeah, some things that worked. Yes. Um, some things that we found that have worked, um, they may not have worked for you. Um, there may be things you want to give a crack for the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, the first thing I think is we found keeping it really simple um, musically, um, really, really good um, because of those things. It's really tricky to kind of get into the, the practical things and just kind of lose the heart of why you're, you're doing worship. Um, yeah. So again, you don't need to have, everything going on at once you don't feel like you need to um, replicate things that you've been doing 
um, live normally at church um, online. Don't feel like you need to do that. Um, it's actually just still okay to have a guitar and a couple of singers um, or just a guitar, a singer, keyboard, whatever you want to do. We've been doing that a lot um, and that's totally okay. Yeah. Yeah. And sort of time with that, just keeping things short and engaging. So like normally church, I think worship for us is about half an hour, but online it's been like, we've done heaps of different like versions, but it might be 10 minutes and something else than 10 minutes, just because people, you know, have shorter attention spans online. It's just a fact of life. So you don't want to, you know, just have a half an hour set, do exactly what you try to do at church. You, you want to keep people engaged um, in worship. Um, and another thing with that, that we've tried only like literally in the last couple of months is instead of it just being like a, a one, you know, camera angle of, of the people singing, like we, we've transitioned to videos of nature and stuff like that so that people aren't, you know, distracted or whatever, they can probably more engage and, and feel a bit more, I don't know, at peace looking at God's creation rather than our ugly faces all the time. So <laughs> yeah, that's what I feel. Yeah. Um, and yeah, last thing um, I think it's worked well is playing to um, our church's strengths. Um, so each church is going to be a bit different in how they want to do things online and how things are going to work well online. Um, if you're a small church, um, as I said before, like don't overcomplicate things. Um, you know, even our church, we started off, we probably have maybe like 200, 250 people in our morning service. We started off doing things really simply, just a guitar, um, a couple of vocals, um, as we figured out what things looked like online. Um, but, you know, as our church kind of got a bit more um, understanding of production and how those things could work, um, we were able to get some more people involved um, in songs at church. Um, I think just a couple of weeks ago, we did a song called um, Gyra. Um, and in a couple of weeks, we're doing one, uh, Revivals in the Air. Um, and for those ones, we've had... Um, our worship pastor has put together um, a backing track and sent that around to all these different people who could video themselves singing, video themselves dancing, video themselves playing drums, all sorts of things. And I think the Jaro one had like 10 different people on the screen at once, which was awesome. Um, but again, it's it takes a really long time um, and people are going to get tired um, from that. Um, but yeah, I think as you kind of grow and learn in those things, um, it's okay to do those things as well. Um, and people will be really keen to serve. Um, I think, you know, found people are um, in lockdown and in COVID, they found, um, you know, they, they really want to serve. Um, and so giving them um, something to do, giving them something to do in terms of production, something they're passionate about, um, yeah, is really cool. So the last thing we wanted to chat about really quickly is just, I guess, transitioning back into church it's kind of a little bit weird for all of us um, and maybe a little bit, a few tips depending on where people are at. You know, people might be super, super keen to start singing again and excited about that, but people might also not, and it might take a little while. So um, so these are probably some ideas that we tried last time when things opened up, like last at the end of last year, um, that worked well, so. Yeah, um, so for, um, for when people aren't singing, some uh, suggestions for that, maybe um, talking a bit more during the worship set will be helpful. Um, yeah, choosing songs with more meaningful lyrics as well. Um, we found like doing hymns um, or songs that don't have um, lines that repeat um, over and over and over again. Um, people might just get distracted and start thinking about something else if, you, if you're just singing the same thing. Um, but having, yeah, hymns or songs that just kind of have... Um, yeah, lots of lyrics um, and really meaningful lyrics are going to be really helpful for people um, to engage in that. Um, yeah, and I just encourage people um, to worship uh, in different ways um, while you're playing. Um, just because they can't sing doesn't mean they can't do something else. Um, you could potentially have them, you know, they might want to paint, they might want to write something, put it on a wall. Um, 
you know, even maybe encourage people to clap um, or hum along to the to the song. That just helps them to engage and focus really well. Um, and then probably as people, as we're elapsing again, um, yeah, assuming it's hard for people to get back in to that sort of worship culture again. Um, I think last year we just made sure we stuck to songs that everyone knew, even though, you know, new songs have come out. Um, it's important just to help people get back into worship. Um, being more directional, like I was saying before, speaking between stuff can be really helpful. Um, and also leading by example. You know, if you want people to sing their hearts out, like you've got to sing your heart out on stage. If you want people to dance, you got to dance sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I think really putting your heart and soul into it is, is really important. And obviously it can be hard when you're not having a great day, but um, they're always really important as a worship leader. Um, and then just probably the final point, um, which is an idea which has worked for our church and I know for other people that do it. Um, and, and it really helps to have, to help, I think, get that fire back in your worship culture back on track is having worship nights or something like that. Um, that's kind of an open space where there's no time frame or restrictions like on, on church where people can just gather and, and people that want to worship are the ones that are coming to it as well. So people are usually really, really engaged and that we find that really, really helps people sort of get back into the zone of, of how, how we need to worship, um, which sounds weird, but like when you haven't been singing for two years, um, it's probably pretty important. So yeah, I think that's what we had on that. So.